The Las Vegas Raiders have partnered with the global lifestyle app TrueConnect to give the gift of wellness. Transform your mind, body, and soul through thousands of hours of premium fitness content, guided meditations, progress tracking, and more. Visit tcfree.fit to redeem one free year of TrueConnect exclusively for Raider Nation. How powerful is the Cox Network? So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With multi-gig speeds now available, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. Limited availability in select areas. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. You're listening to the Raiders NFL Draft Podcast. Here are your hosts, Bucky Brooks and Rhett Lewis. All right, friends, the Super Bowl is now in the rear view with the Chiefs repeating as champions. And now the race is on to get to the mountaintop next. Welcome back to another episode of the Raiders NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Rhett Lewis alongside Bucky Brooks, and uh, we've got your weekly look at the draft conversations uh, that are dominating the sports world now, especially since the Super Bowl uh, has come and gone, Bucky. And you know what I, I think is kind of interesting here? If you were watching game day morning on NFL Network, um, like, like I was on Sunday, you saw Max Crosby go up mm-hmm. to the desk and chat with the guys and you know said he hopes the Chiefs win so that they can be the ones to knock the Chiefs down. And Max got his wish, so now the race is on, baby. Here we go. Yeah, the race is on. And what's so telling about that is not only Max Crosby's desire to want to knock off the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, that's the way that the the Las Vegas Raiders have to look at this. It has to be, before you can think about being a Super Bowl champion, the number one thing you have to do is build a team that can win the division. And because the Chiefs reside within the AFC West, if you build a team to win a division, you ultimately are building a team that can win the Super Bowl. Uh, so this is great. It's great that Max Crosby has his eyes set on Kansas City, but it's also uh, probably re- reveals that Antonio Pierce and Tom Telesco also have an eye on the Kansas City Chiefs oh, yeah. and to build a team that can topple them. Yeah, and we talked about that a little bit uh, in our last episode about how those, you know, the 49ers and the Chiefs got to where they are, you know, squaring off in the Super Bowl and how those teams were built. And the Chiefs did a tremendous job building their roster through the draft, especially on the defensive side of the ball, um, where they drafted a number of key contributors this year. And we saw that play out on Sunday. And it's, it's no doubt something that, that the Raiders could look to do uh, and will look to do here. I mean, that's that's obvious. Every team's trying to make those those types of decisions. But um, what, what I do want to get into here is, you know, the fact that we're at a, a very specific time in the draft process where all-star games are behind us. And we've spent the first two weeks and our first two episodes here this season really talking about those moments. We've got the combine coming up in about three weeks. And so we've got the next two weeks here on the Raiders NFL Draft Podcast to really dive into the top names at each position. Good news for everybody listening. Bucky <laughs> has certainly done just that, which you can find over on NFL Network, Bucky's top five positional rankings, which is always a must read, especially this time of year, as everyone's still trying to get familiar with the names that we're going to be talking about for the next three months as we await the draft in Detroit in late April. And so 
over the next two weeks, we're going to take a look at each side of the ball, each position group on each side of the ball. Um, and then we'll have a big time combine preview for you uh, coming up in three weeks as, as we get ready to kick off that event from Indianapolis. So this is a great time to get to know some of those names that you're really going to see uh, in, in that coverage on you know NFL Network and everywhere uh, at, Indi- at the combine in Indianapolis. So let's start today with the offensive side of the ball. And we touched on this a little bit with some of the big name quarterbacks. And we'll go back into that now that we uh, we have an idea of, of where you're going with your rankings. Now, look, as you get more familiar with these mm-hmm. prospects and you watch more tape on them and we talk to more people around the league, mm-hmm. you might have a little fluctuation here. And, and that's kind of what this process is all about, right? As you, you look, you want to you want to lay out the groundwork here. You want to keep digging in over the next couple of weeks, and then you'll you know that last ranking that you have, you know, come out when it, whenever that is closer to the draft. We'll have a much better idea of where we stand, right? Yeah. So what um, I've always wanted to do is you kind of want to mer- mimic the process that front office utilize as they're yes. running up to the draft in the off season. So what is probably happening at a bunch? Now what is happening at a bunch of different front offices around the league? Um, they're entering into what they call their pre-combine meetings. So right around the like the week leading up to the Super Bowl, all these teams will bring in their scouts. They'll get together and they'll begin to put together their their preliminary draft board. So they have guys on the board. They've looked at the tape. They've started to have some of the conversations about their background and those things. And so it's just a not a concrete board, but it's just kind of like, hey, here's a starting spot that we can look at. Here are the names that we need to know. So when we go to the combine, here are the guys that we want to talk about, touch on, make sure we get all of the the background info to put the pieces of the puzzle together. So that's yeah. where I'm at in the process. Nice. Had exposure Love to that. these guys. And uh, you, you've looked at the tape. You've done that. You've had conversations with some of the scouts around the league. But as you get closer and closer to the draft, you begin to kind of hone in on where these guys need to be on the respective board. All right, I love and I love that part of the process, right? Because uh, it does give us uh, a real kind of accurate feel for how things are going, um, you know, in draft rooms across the league. And so, you know, l- let's kind of l- let's kick this thing off here. And as we go through each position group and we look at these rankings, um, you know, when we get down to it, let's throw in, you know, a a real you know, a Raiders fit from each of these position groups, depending on, you know, where, where mm-hmm. they might end up going right uh, with that first round selection. So let's start with the quarterbacks. I'll lay them out here. Tell me what sticks out to you. Um, I'll probably follow up a little bit and then we can, uh, we can identify a fit uh, that would work for the Raiders, which with each one of these position groups. All right. So with the quarterbacks, no surprise, you got Caleb Williams at one Jaden Daniels from LSU at two Drake may from UNC at three Michael Penix, uh, Washington is number four, and then J.J. McCarthy at five with Bo Nix just on the outside looking in. So lay that out for me, and then uh, let's see where we land. Yeah, so this list may initially come off a bit controversial because the conversation that we've had for most of the college season has been Caleb Williams one, Drake May two. Uh, could Drake May overtop, overtake Caleb Williams to be QB one in the yeah. draft? Jaden Daniels threw a monkey wrench into everything by having a fantastic season at LSU. When you watch him play, I'll say this. Caleb Williams and Jaden Daniels had better final seasons than Drake May. And so if it comes down to the tape and how guys perform, Jaden Daniels deserves to be over top of Drake May. When you look at Jaden Daniels and what he did during his Heisman Trophy winning campaign, he was phenomenal. The way that he runs it, the way that he throws it, he's a true dual threat player at the position. When it comes down to what may scare you off, the slender frame. Like he's just kind of slender, kind of skinny. So you wonder how that 
is going to hold up. But in the toughest conference in football, he lit it up as a thrower and a runner. So to me, he deserves to be number two. That's it. Drake May is the prototypical prospect that everyone wants as a franchise quarterback. Size, demeanor, um, instincts, athleticism, all of that stuff. He has all the talent to be one of the best, to arguably be, be the best quarterback to come out of this draft class, but hasn't done it consistently. And in a game where le- where wins matter, he doesn't have a signature win in the past two years as a starter. And I know we talk about quarterback wins being a team thing, but there's something to watching your quarterback win. We just saw Pat Mahomes kind of win a game looking like Michael Jordan. There's something to that. And so that's why Drake May is third on that list. Um, yeah. So that's how yeah. I broke down the first three. Yeah. No, that I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I, it's hard to deny the production that Jaden Daniels put on tape this year. Like it just for, so for everybody who's, you know, putting him up there at two, I, I mean, I certainly get it. I think that at number one, Caleb Williams is starting to suffer from the fatigue of being the wire to wire number one guy. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. We've been talking about him as a number one guy for more than a calendar year now. And so I think you're starting to see, and obviously the the production this year didn't match the expectation. Now there were wow moments, right? Littered yeah. throughout the year, but people are going to turn on that Notre Dame tape and be like, holy smokes, we're going to take this guy number one. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. I mean, one game does not make a player or break a player. And he's got enough moments that make you just go, Holy smokes. Like, yeah. yeah and the, yeah, sure. Yeah. There's Patrick Mahomes type stuff in there. And and I think that mm-hmm. that's a, a word and a comparison. We're going to hear a lot about understand it. But I think the, the one thing that people keep coming back to is, well, he doesn't play within the structure of the offense. He plays off schedule. He doesn't play on schedule. Well, I mean, do you think that means he can't? I, yeah. I, Cause I don't, I don't necessarily buy into that. Um, I think with the right play caller, the right playmakers, and the right system around you, I think you're going to find that Caleb Williams has all the tools to play within the system. And, and, and so that, that to me is something where like, we're going to be kind of nitpicking on some of that stuff for a guy who's been at the very top, you know, for a long time. Yeah. So it's interesting about Caleb Williams because there is a little bit of that Caleb Williams fatigue. He has been the number one and we've seen it every year. There's someone at the top of the board that kind of gets hit with the barrage of blows where we kind of start knocking down bits and pieces of the way they performed over the last couple of years with him. It's easy to knock him this year because their season was a disappointment overall as a team. He was, um, I would say it's crazy to say up and down, but then when you look at the numbers, he didn't have a noticeable drop off in terms of interceptions and those things, but he, he did play a little loose this year. He was off schedule a ton. And some of that, I would say he was big play hunting as opposed to playing the offense to me. Caleb Williams has extraordinary talent. I will not put the Pat Mahomes comparison on him because I don't think he's necessarily that. I think he's more Russell Wilson than Pat Mahomes in terms of because he plays so off schedule. Coaching will be everything when it comes to Caleb Williams. Does he go to a situation where he has a coach that can coach him hard and get him to play on time while also utilizing those improvisational skills when needed, just not all the time? Can he kind of do that, 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 that dance between being a game manager and a game changer. Cause if he can do it, he can be one of the best quarterbacks we've seen. Right. And look, we've talked uh, about the potential of a quarterback for the Raiders in the first round. And, you know, 
Caleb Williams is not going to be that guy. <laughs> okay. Unless Tom Telesco pulls off an incredible trade from 13 to one. Um, I, I just don't, don't see that happening. Um, you know, maybe up into the top three, I guess is something you, 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 you can't rule out, but again, that's going to take an enormous amount of draft pick compensation mm-hmm. in value going to whomever the other side of the trade uh, partner is. So um, when we look at 13, I look a little bit further down your list and I think about a guy that to me has the top arm talent in the league. And mm-hmm. that's Michael Penn, not in the league, in the, in this draft class. And that's Michael Penix. Um, I, I think that Penix's arm talent is something that would have made the late Al Davis, like just absolutely salivate um, over like that, mm-hmm. that kind of player, that kind of talent, that kind of prospect. It feels a little bit, it feels like a Raider to me. Um, where do you see the best fit for the Raiders from this quarterback group? So I think the conversation, obviously you discount, you you remove the top three, Williams, Daniels, and May. Those guys won't be in the conversation if the Raiders stand pat. So now the conversation is about Michael Penix, J.J. McCarthy, and I would say even Bo Nix. So Michael Penix, you're right. He would certainly catch the eye of uh, Mr. Davis <laughs> in terms of just when you watch Washington play, it is bombs away. It's yes. deep balls <laughs> over and over and over again, throwing over the top of the defense. And I don't know if anyone has a better deep ball and Michael Penix in his draft. I mean, the way that he just throws it over the top of the defense, the way it drops out the shoot, he does all of that. He's a left-hander, um, which is different, but that will harken back to the days of Kenny Stabler uh, in the organization. And so that that would create some conversation. Injuries are everything, right? The fact yeah. that he had, what, four season four injuries, season injuries during, yeah. during his time, that is going to be a big conversation. The slender build is also like in terms of lower body, he's just not a bulked up guy. And so you wonder, is he going to be able to last and can he be the doable franchise quarterback that you want at that position? That's why J.J. McCarthy and Bo Nix, the conversation is really interesting. J.J. McCarthy is like the ultimate winner. Only lost one game during his time at Michigan. People will say, yeah, but they, they didn't really run it through him. They ran the football. He was kind of a complimentary piece and those things. Doesn't mean that he can't do it. And so... J.J. McCarthy reminds me a little bit of the conversation that was around Justin Herbert when Herbert was coming out. Justin Herbert played in the offense where they really kind of kept him confined because they wanted to run it. They wanted to preserve him and those things. But Tom Telesco was able to see the talent. He unearthed a gym and maybe J.J. McCarthy's athleticism, his arm talent, winning pedigree. Maybe Tom Telesco was able to dig a little deeper and say, no, this guy has the traits and the qualities that we're looking for. And if we put this in the right system with the right people around him, he can flourish. Cause remember Justin Herbert hit the ground running and no one saw that coming. Despite what everyone says now revisionist history, no one saw that maybe JJ McCarthy ends up being the right fit because of the talent, the tools and all of the uh, intangibles that he brings to the table. Yeah. And, and then, you know, it, it's also about, what's the board look like at that point, right? You got the Vikings at 11 who could certainly be in the market for a quarterback with Kirk cousins going into free agency. The Denver Broncos could certainly be in the market for a quarterback. Mm -hmm. As you were kind of mentioning the comp for, you know, Caleb Williams is probably more Russell Wilson Mm as Russell's likely on his way out of Denver. And then you get the Raiders at 13 saints at 14 could make a move up. If they want to make sure they get their guy, Uh, you know, for the long haul, even though Derek Carr is still under contract, 
Um, and then, you know, the Seahawks at 16, I think, would be one to kind of follow as well in, in the potential for a move uh, for a quarterback. So all those things will factor in. Let's move to the running backs here, Bucky. And I'll run through this and then just give me a hit, hit, hit a highlight for me with this group. Um, and, and I don't know that any of these guys are going to be first round players. I doubt that any of them are a part of the, the thought process at 13. Um, but, you know, who knows? We'll see. Let's we start with Jonathan Brooks at Texas, who was banged up and got injured uh, during his final season there in Austin. Trey Benson from Florida State. Blake Corum, arguably the most uh, productive running back in the country uh, and in this draft class with what he's done at Michigan. Bucky Irving, explosiveness uh, there from the running back spot out of Oregon. And then Audric Estime at Notre Dame. A lot of production in South Bend for Estime as well. And then your outside looking in is a big bruiser type of a back in Braylon Allen uh, at Wisconsin. So what stands out most to you about this group? So this group doesn't feature the the pizzazz or the splash players that we've seen yeah. in the past. I don't think there's a first rounder in the group. Uh, the value is probably in the second and third round where you, where you can find a back that can come in and give you contributions. I think what you're looking for, if you're the Raiders and you move on from Josh Jacobs, who's a compliment to Zamir White? Um, is that compliment someone that is more like him or is it someone that's drastically different? If we think about the guys that are kind of like him, Benson would be, in that mix in terms of like just being able to do it in between the tackles, has some flash and dash to his game. Blake Corm to me is just kind of like the productive, steady workhorse. Yeah. Not a lot of flash, but man, I will say this though, his ability to get in and out of cuts and lanes, the jump cut that he's able to do. I mean, you can hurt yourself trying to do those things when he gets all the way to the backside on some of those moves. And he's just a finisher uh, when it comes to his, his red zone, short yardage goal line production. He, he understands how to get those those critical yards. Doesn't have the long speed to do it. I think the one that's interesting to me from a Raider standpoint would be Braylon Allen, just in terms of being the big hammer. Physical, yeah. You know, yeah, like someone, if you're going to add another running back, you want someone that's a little different than what you have. To me, he's different because he's big, he's physical, he finishes run, he has long speed. He's a terrific player. Uh, their system change impacted him more than I would say his game falling off. Oh yeah. The, the air raid offense up at Wisconsin it didn't feel like a fit. Now they still tried to give him the football. It just, it looked a little different and he got banged up towards the end of the season as well with an ankle. So didn't, didn't quite have the, you know, that uh, kind of name brand buzz this season mm-hmm. as he did his, his first couple of years there in Madison. So I'm with you on that. I think that's a good fit uh, as well as you get into day two, probably mm-hmm. uh, maybe even early day three, uh, depends. Yeah. Uh, like you mentioned, Blake Corum. I'd be curious to see how teams view him considering where Chase Brown from Illinois ended up going last year in the draft, all the way down in the fifth round of the Bengals. I think yeah. he's better than that that draft uh, slot, but that was that was how the league felt about the running backs in, in that range. And he, I think he's going to be a really good player in Cincinnati. Had that crazy production, kind of the way Blake Corum did. Yeah these last two years. So I'll be curious to see, you know, how uh, the league views quorum as well. Let's move to the wide outs. And this is a star studded position. No question. I mean, these guys, I mean, your top five guys could all go in the first round, um, Mm -hmm. which, which is pretty special. Marvin Harrison jr. Obviously at the top at number one, Uh, Roma Dunze at number two from Washington, 
who are uh, collective buddy uh, Daniel Jeremiah gave the exact same grade to both those guys, which yeah. which tells you you know how the the community really feels about Adunze and not just Marvin Harrison up there at the top. Malik Neighbors not far behind at number three out of LSU. Keon Coleman's Florida State big target uh, and big time production in his only season there at Tallahassee after transferring from Michigan State, and then Brian Thomas Jr. Um, you know, the, which is kind of interesting, like could kind of end up as like the the Justin Jefferson, mm-hmm. right? Going back to 2019 when Jamar Chase went off, right? And ends up, you know, the following year after the COVID, um, the COVID opt out being the first uh, LSU wide receiver off the board. Jefferson, you know, came uh, a, l- a little bit later uh, to the to the Eagles. So I, I like this group a lot. I think they're all first round type of talents. Um, how do you kind of characterize this group? Yeah, it's a really good group. And what we're seeing, there's so much talent at the wide receiver position that, yeah, you can take one of these guys in the first round, but you also can come in the second and third round and get guys that are going to be quality players. I think um, when the league and the scouting community looks around and they see the guys at the top of the board, like a Puka Nakua, who was a fifth-round pick, to have immediate success, you can look for some of those guys. But as we talk about those guys at the top, Marvin Harrison Jr. to me is interesting because he reminds me a lot of Larry Fitzgerald good route running, solid hands, kind of does everything really, really well, which is why people have had him in the conversation as maybe being the best overall player in the draft. Um, And the Cardinals pick at number four. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and Adunze from Washington, you brought up the Jamar Chase thing. Yeah, He reminds me of Jamar Chase. He reminds me of of a guy who is kind of like that physical player that is, yeah, he can run routes, but he just kind of overwhelms you. Great ball skills. Yeah. Catches catches all the contested catches he comes down with. He has a physicality to his game that you see. You see pump returns on occasion. Just a great runner. Malik Neighbors, another one. LSU just turns him out. Um, he's, he's just the next one to be able to do a route runner, catches it, it explosive and dynamic in space. He, he's terrific. Keon Coleman, to me, is just – the 50-50 ball specialist. You're going to throw it up. He's acrobatic. I don't know how fast he runs, but he is he's a guy that's kind of always open because of how he can win, kind of like DeAndre Hopkins in terms yeah. of like how he just does it. I'm covered, but I'm not covered because I win the 50-50 balls. And we talked about Brian Thomas, just another one. Yeah. Uh, for the Raiders, I don't think wide receiver is a position of need. I guess Not in the first round, for sure. Yeah. yeah. If something happened, maybe like they move on from like a Hunter Renfro or something, but the guy that we have uh, to keep an eye on, Lad McConkey. If right. I'm thinking about someone who could fit, like, man, this guy is just such a good player. He tore people up down at the Senior Bowl. He's been tearing them up in the SEC yeah. the last the couple technician. of years. And, and I mean, just you look up and he just gets open. He has some swag to his game. He is just a really good player. I could see him being a guy that you think about trying to fit in, working over the middle of the field. McConkey can certainly do it. Yeah. And then, you know, a little bit further down the road, you know, a guy that we really love from the Shrine Bowl. um, If there is, you know, some transition at that slot position, a guy like Malik Washington from Virginia, who had that massive production, right? Over 110 catches, uh, 1400 plus yards in his only season there at UVA uh, could definitely be be one to look at. And I think we'll, we'll really turn some heads at the combine, not just in the testing but in the route running portion, they see how fluid he is, how explosive mm-hmm. he can be kind of working the working, you know, zones and, you know, running those option routes and, and trying to find and make himself available for opposing quarterbacks. All right, let's move to the tight ends here, Bucky. Obviously, Raiders probably feel like they're in pretty good shape there with Michael Mayer and what he put on uh, tape his 
rookie season from a year ago, the second round pick out of Notre Dame. But let's let's have some fun with this group here um, just for the sake of thoroughness. I mean, Brock Bowers, kind of like Caleb Williams, has been the guy we've been talking about, it seems like, for two years. You've got him at number one. Jatavian Sanders uh, at number two from Texas. Cade Stover's a guy I really like, kind of a throwback type of tight end at number three out of Ohio State. Theo Johnson staying in the Big Ten at Penn State. Uh, mm-hmm. Down at the Senior Bowl was there. So was A.J. Barner from Michigan, um, you know, who played uh, this last year in Ann Arbor after beginning his career at Indiana. Obviously, I knew him very well, saw him mm. a bunch really kind of improved his game as uh, as a blocker these last uh, this last kind of year and a half really so more of a trying to become more of a complete tight end uh, what uh, what do you like about this group so this group is is interesting because you have the one guy at the top that's the headliner and Brock Bowers like just a special talent a guy who can do it from a traditional standpoint but also has the ability to go in space like he is like everything he's your all-around tight end that you look for uh, the, the issue that you may run into when it comes to Bowers, the last couple of tight ends that have been taken high have not necessarily given you the, 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 the production to match what the impact expectation would be drafting high. Yeah. We've seen more value in those second, third rounds. So that brings us to like Jatavian Sanders and Stover and Johnson yeah. and, and later on down the line, like Barner, all of those guys to me, like when I look at Sanders flex tight end, just can move around, age back, put him in motion, slot out wide, natural catcher, explosive playmaker, does it after the catch. You talked about Stover being your your, your traditional wide throwback tight end, and we're kind of living in your country with all these big Big Ten guys, but that that's what it has. Theo Johnson showed up at the Senior Bowl, another corner. To me, I think Barner has a chance. You know, it, it, it was funny because last year going through it, I remember – looking at the port, he's not the same player as the porter, but I remember looking at the porter like, man, like this is a good third, fourth round player. Then you see him go up or whatever. I think teams are going to find more value in tight ends because you're seeing how people are dominating over the middle of the field. The Ravens doing it with Mark Andrews and Isaiah likely Sam Laporta having a great season right away. The Packers being able to get production from their young tight ends. All of these guys, I think will get pushed up. Barner's interesting to me. You obviously know him having been around him at Indiana. I think he's one of the rare guys that has the ability to maybe play Y or flex as a pro. I think in a multi in a multi tight end system, the improvements that he made being exposed to the different stuff in Michigan, I think he's a unique player being able to kind of move between being a traditional tight end that's attached to the tackle to also being a guy that can line up in the slot and move around and do some of the cute stuff that you do with the move tight end. Great points. Great points. And that's, that's some of the nuance of that position. And again, you know, there's only a handful of teams that really operate with that one stud tight end. Right. And so that, you know, you can bring a couple of different guys into the mix here. Now you start to really, you know, kind of open up the options, you know, for your offensive play caller and your offensive scheme. Uh, Let's move to the offensive line group here and uh, we'll kind of run through this because I I do think that that tackle position, especially over on that right side, might Mm -hmm. certainly be an option at number 13 for the Raiders, depending on how many guys actually go in the first 12 picks. Like we, we might see four out of the top five guys on your list here end up gone by the time the Raiders are on the clock with how good this group is and how in demand they're going to be. So I'll just lay it out here for you. Joe Alt is your number one tackle, uh, the junior from Notre Dame. Uh, Olu Fashanu uh, from Penn State comes in at number two, a guy who we thought might be a top 10 pick if he'd have come out last year. And then at three, Talisi Fuaga from Oregon State had a terrific senior bowl week. Marius Mims, big, strong dude from Georgia at number four. And then J.C. Latham, the right tackle at Alabama, in there at number five. 
So, you know, if if we are talking and then the guy that you are uh, keeping an eye on, Troy Fatanu from Washington, very well thought of um, with his mm-hmm. work in Kalen DeBoer's system uh, up there in Seattle. So I, I remember being on the sideline of the Indiana Penn State game this year and was talking to some scouts that were down there, obviously, to see, you know, a ton of talent that uh, that Penn State had, especially Olu Fashanu. And I was, you know, kind of mm-hmm. talking to guys. I was like, all right, is is Olu still the top tackle out there right now? Because like it wasn't, I don't think he had the year that we maybe expected him to have. I think the potential is still there. He's still super young, right? And he's what, right. 20 years old. So there's still a lot of room to grow, but unequivocally I was standing with uh, three different guys from two different teams and they were all like, absolutely. Yes. Like, yes. Olu. Yeah. You want this guy. This is the type mm-hmm. of player, you know, with the type of potential and talent that you want to be one of your building blocks. Um, so uh, l- let's talk about how you kind of came through that process with those top guys. And then mm-hmm. is there one that you see as maybe a fit for the Raiders, if that's the route they choose to go at 13? Yeah, it's an interesting group. Um, yeah, I mean, you have your talent, you have your technicians, you have your mall of brawlers, you have everything yeah. that you look for. This is one of the more talented groups of offensive tackles that we've seen. Not necessarily guys that, oh, these are all top 10 guys but man i think it's just a solid group of first round talents meaning these guys can come in they can start on the right or on the left and kind of lock down that position for years and joe all from notre dame you just talked about a tech mission notre dame has done a good job of producing offensive tackles and offensive linemen for years he's the next one that'll come out of there and have a 10-year career just being a solid player whether it's a zone blocking scheme or gap blocking scheme he fits in he's really efficient with his footwork and hands just a really Solid player, plug and play. Don't worry about him when he goes in there. You talked about Fashano, and the thing about Fashano from Penn State, he has the tools, physically gifted, just the yes. length, the athleticism, the tools. It's not always pretty on tape because the technique still needs some refinement. But in terms of how you draw them up, he looks like they should look when they come off the bus. He is yeah. uh, terrific. With time, I think he's going to be an outstanding player. Fuaga is the, the mauler brawler, the nasty one, the one that, I mean, just moves the furniture around in the living room with his physicality and toughness and just overall strength. He, to me, though, uh, much like Penny Penay Sewell upgraded the Detroit Lions while adding some nastiness, he kind of has some of that in his game. Not quite the athlete that Penny is, but he's just a good player who can do it. Amari's Mims is just I'm bigger than you and I'm going to whoop your tail because I'm bigger <laughs> and stronger and that he's kind of like the bully on the block who was able to get it done. And then J.C. Latham, um, another man, just just really good player from Alabama. He's been well-taught, well-schooled, all of that. I think when, when you're the Raiders, the Raiders, you're hoping at 13, Fuaga somehow makes it to you. Yeah. If he somehow can kind of slip through the cracks to me, he would be a great fit. Or you right. pop up a couple of spots, you know? Do you feel like you got to pop up to nine to maybe get him, you know? Because he's the one that fits um, after that. And, and uh, AP made – they wanted to beat people up. They really wanted to kind of run through people at the line of scrimmage. So right. that leads me to believe if he's not there, then you begin to have the conversation when it comes to Mims and Latham being there or whatever. Are they going to maul and brawl? Are they going to run you? How are they going to establish it uh, at the point of attack? But – uh, interesting prospects that are going to be available for the Raiders. Great one. Uh, at this tackle group is arguably the best group in the draft. I mean, I, I think uh, we're going to see mm-hmm. some. We're going to see some major numbers of these dudes coming off. Uh, let's finish out with the uh, interior offensive linemen here. You know, this is a group. Um, again, 
they're not going to be as highly sought after as the mm-hmm. tackles, but still some real intriguing uh, prospects here. Graham Barton gets the nod as number one for you uh, from Duke. Jackson Powers Johnson, probably the top center. Uh, in the draft from Oregon uh, comes in there at number two, Cooper Beebe uh, from Kansas state at number three, Christian Haynes from Connecticut at four and Zach Zenter, who unfortunately uh, broke his leg in that uh, regular season finale against Ohio state wasn't available for Michigan in their national title run, but uh, was, you know, widely considered the best offensive lineman of a group that was really dang good these last three years. Um, so quick thought there on that group and and maybe one a little bit further down the line that the Raiders might end up with. Yeah. So when you, you look at this group, it's, it's important when we talk about uh, offensive guards and centers, a lot of times these guys are swing players, guys that have played outside and inside and those things. Graham Barton to me got the nod when I talk about interior offensive blockers, because he started his career as a center at Duke and then bumped out wide, played left tackle for a few seasons. But now he's rejected to make a move back inside. When you have like the position flexibility that he has, uh, you have the experience that he has in two hundred, like twenty five hundred plus snaps as a yeah. starter in 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 college football. Man, you, you got to love him. I think he can he can start a center. He can play guard. He can play tackle in the right system. He he's he's intriguing. Uh, Powers Johnson is just a pure center, just a pivot. Highly recruited, lived up to the hype during his time at Oregon. Like a bit of a one-year starter, but man, he just finds a way to get it done. Great motor, great toughness, great tenacity. Uh, he just finds a way to win, and I like that. Uh, Chris Haynes from UConn is interesting. Supersized mashes at the point of attack, just kind of a yeah. road grader. Great length, uh, super explosive when it comes to the strength. Another plug-and-play player, Edgar. He might be the best pure guard in the class. Those other guys are a little more projected, but he is, man, just a physical guy at the point of attack. Yeah, it's a good group. It really is. Um, and uh, I think there's some real value there, probably, as you, especially as you get into day two with those interior offensive linemen. Uh, all right, so that's a look at the offensive position groups there as Bucky's laid it out with those top five players. Again, you can find that list over on NFL.com. Uh, we'll get to the defensive players next week. Um, edge rushers are going to be well thought of in the first round, so we'll hit those guys and uh, talk about some of the other players on the defensive side of the ball who could end up as major impact dudes. Uh, all right, Bucky, um, we're uh, we're continuing down the line here, man. And so always a pleasure to get the t- chance to talk some draft uh, with the Raiders focus. And I look forward to being back with you guys next week. So for Bucky Brooks, I am Rhett Lewis. We will catch you next time right here on the Raiders NFL Draft Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Raiders NFL Draft Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the Raiders Podcast Network wherever you get your podcasts.